Yeah. Eat, sleep, fantasy. You rocking with the best. NFL fantasy football podcast. We talking mock drafts, running backs. Better follow the conversation with Dale, Christian, and Armando. Screaming, eat nation. We doing what we like. Tune in every week. Guarantee we get it hype. Fantasy football enthusiasts. I know you plan to be joining us on Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. Yeah. Eat, sleep, fantasy. Eat, sleep, fantasy. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another episode of Eat Sleep Fantasy, a weekend review. I will be your host from the West Coast, Austin. What's going on, Hugo? Just kidding. What's going on, everyone? Really appreciate you taking your time to uh, listen to some of our insights and. You almost almost sound like Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused. I'm trying, man. (laughs) I like it. I like it, man. Joining me, helping me, uh, hosting as well is Steven. What's going on, Steven? Hey, Austin. How are you, man? Not too bad. Hey, I know you saw the brackets, uh, March Madness, just like I did. So any thoughts on where Michigan landed? Uh, you know, I, I, I like where they landed. Uh, I think Michigan has played relatively strong all year. Uh, they played really well in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly how far they're going to go. I, I expect a Sweet 16 uh, appearance from them but outside of that I can't be too confident uh, especially when you know Beeline's offense uh, Michigan relies heavily on uh, three-point offense and that can make or break uh, what you do in a game so we'll see what they do yeah man I'm really disappointed uh, where they landed I really thought they were a 2C but I'm just gonna blame it on the Nebraska game man if they would have showed up to that game I think it would have been good oh, so. yeah I agree and I mean being there at a three you know, you can't be mad at that. So, you know, again, we'll, we'll see how it develops through the tournament. Anything's possible. That's why they call it March Madness, because it's absolute madness. That is the truth. So, Stephen, this this off season is there anything different from past seasons that you've kind of noticed or anything that you've used or trying to build your, your dynasty aspect when it comes to fantasy football? Um, I'd say the biggest wild card right now uh, that we haven't seen over the last few years is the amount of trades that have gone on uh, before free agency even opens up. So, you know, a lot of big moves, a lot of big names moving around uh, this past week. It, it seemed like every day throughout the week, you know, we just see names moving around and completely unexpected you know it felt like every time i was opening up my phone or my computer's just breaking news this guy's going here this guy's going here so and before free agency and then obviously before the draft you know that changes the scope of everything so you know that 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 really uh, puts things into perspective as to what you really need to pay attention to over the next few months when it comes to uh, addressing needs for your dynasty team so for myself this season, I never really paid attention to many, too many college players coming out until you know the actual draft, and then it was able to formulate my my thoughts as going going forward into the fantasy season. But this season has been a uh, real different for me, and and what I'm gonna get at here is, man, my Twitter is blown up with all these videos from John Chapman. Um, ever since John has come into my life, I have sat there, I've watched all the combine. I've, you know, I've watched, I've rewatched him because, you know, I'm all about the same aspect he has is, is the eye test. So joining us tonight is John Chapman. What's going on, John? 
Hey, man, just glad to be here. Really appreciate you guys uh, letting me jump on here. And, yeah, sorry for all, like, spamming everybody's Twitter. <laughs> um, I, I am a film junkie, and I try to watch as much game tape as I can and kind of cut my own clips and whatnot. And so I had a goal of trying to get 101 prospects done by the Combine, and I, I achieved that goal. However... It was about a um, 40-hour weekend where I was up till pretty late, so sorry about that. But hopefully uh, you learned something and figured out a couple guys you like and a couple guys maybe you're not so high on. No, I think it's just the opposite, man. I really appreciate all the hard work you're putting in into all this. It, it really does make a difference when you have somebody on the team that puts all this hard work in. It, it makes you kind of open up and kind of look at things from like a different perspective, like you just said. So Yeah, and so like for me, I... I was a big time, I wouldn't say I was a big time, I was at a big time school, uh, high school football coach down in Texas, which was awesome, but wife and I adopted a couple boys, and I kind of had to get out of the coaching world just because of time, and so I've been able to channel all that energy and passion into breaking down film, and setting up for the draft, and fantasy, and all that fun stuff, so it's been fun, and uh, this is a new adventure for me, but it's been a blast so far. Well, it's kind of interesting. You're a 49ers fan. Steven here is a 49ers fan. Do you guys want to swap There's good people straight? everywhere. I'm just saying. There's good people all around. That's, that's just what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have. I mean, and living here in Michigan, I've been a 49, 49ers fan all my life. And and, and John, man, I, I haven't seen anybody break down film uh, like you can. You know what I mean? It's just I literally, I'm not mad at you for blowing up the Twitter feed. Not at all. I've, <laughs> I, I've been happy to share that. Uh, completely. And being that, you know, you're from Texas and, you know, you, you were from a big school down there. It, it explains a lot because, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar because I've had family that lives in Texas. So I'm very familiar with uh, how in depth uh, things get down there. But um, yeah, again, I, I haven't been mad at you for that. I, I thought I watched a lot of film until I came across you. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks man i appreciate it so uh, real quick i'm sorry I, I i'm jumping off script here but we just got like my least favorite football player of all time as far as personality goes on our team dude how do you feel man how are you feeling we we richard sherman's a part of the team i how do you feel it, it, you know it's it's different because of the the perception of richard sherman and but what, what you can't be mad at is what he brings to the table. And I know he's on the very back end of his career, has had some injuries, but, you know, that's a defense that has a lot of holes in it. And that's a guy that at least, you know, he, he's a good stopgap. That is a name that quarterbacks will think about uh, when, you know, the 49ers are on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, I, I think they have some good things in play going forward uh, before we get into free agency and before we get into uh, the draft here. So there's a lot of upside in San Francisco. I mean, I don't know how you yeah. feel about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've taken three showers in the past 24 hours just <laughs> trying to, you know, get all the dirt off. But, uh, no, I'm excited about it. He's a hell of a player, and I love his attitude on the field. Um, we'll see about everything else. But, yeah, I'm pumped. Anyway, it's it's Niners, we're, we're definitely going to win the Super Bowl like the next six years in a row. So that's it's reassuring, you know what I mean? Oh, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, we touched on it last week uh, about Austin Austin's displeasure with Jimmy Garoppolo being there in San Francisco. You know, I mean, they, as they say, is one person's loss is another's gain. So, Austin, I'm sorry. But John and I are pretty happy about Jimmy G being in San Francisco. Hell yeah, man. Oh, I'm sure you both are. <laughs> All right. 
Hey, so if this is the first time you're listening to the pod, here's a little breakdown, kind of what you're going to hear, which you're going to think of us as like the ghost of Christmas past and the, the ghost of Christmas future. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to look, we're going to look into this past week, kind of break down some stuff that Dale, Armando and Burrito talked about on the pods, bring in some of the goofy shit they did, bring in some of the highlight, some of the fantasy nuggets they've dropped on us. And then two, we're going to use this information and kind of give our opinions, a couple more voices in your head to sit there and think about as you move forward into the fantasy future, I guess you can say. Um, any, you two have any thoughts on uh, what this pod is about? Yeah, good. Man, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The reason why I love Eat Sleep Fantasy is because it's fantasy football and in-depth analysis, but it's fun. It's not just... Uh, you know who you're gonna take where and all that stuff it's breaking down how to boil hot dogs and you know why your grandparents probably shouldn't say what they should say and whatever else i mean i absolutely love it so and i'm hoping we can get in some bagel debate today because i've got some hot opinions on this one yeah i'm all about the bagel debate and and you know to touch on what you said about esf it's one of the biggest things that drew me to them is that you know the pot itself brings a fresh perspective to the game uh you know a lot of the podcasts out there are just you know, they're very monotone. They want to talk about football and just spew out stats and things of that sort. And, you know, again, with the perspective, it's there, there is fun. There's just goofy debates. There's, uh, you know, friendly banter and things of that sort, you know, to open up the show in the middle of the show at the end of the show. But with all of that, you get a few laughs and, and you get some very valuable insight when it comes to a fantasy football. So, I think the you know this whole situation has just been a home run from day one. All right, so you got do you fellas want to talk about the bagel debate or do you guys want to go into Mark Manis? What do you want to talk about first? Oh man, do do we do we start out with the least fun and go to the better part? So Mark Manis <laughs> to the bagel debate. <laughs> hey, hey, we can go. We can start with Mark Manis. Right. Let's All do right, some. Fellas. Let's do some Mark Madness. I, I'm with you there. All right. If you missed the pod earlier this week, here's a clip from uh, Burrito and Armando talking about Mark Madness. I need, I need some convincing on? with this Mark Madness because this is a you and Dale thing. I don't okay. get it. Okay. I don't understand why it's funny. Like, All right, here. here, here. Here's, sim- here's, here's what's simple, okay? Everybody has March Madness, right? Yeah. What sounds like March? Mark. Mark. All right. And what are we going to do? We're going to rank Marks and we're going to pit them against each other in a head-to-head <laughs> tournament to determine... Who is the best Mark? Armando, who's your favorite Mark of all well, time? I, I saw a bracket and um, he picked Mark Hamill or whatever. He picked Mark Hamill and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm for that. Like Luke Skywalker, the greatest superhero ever. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. I think Mark Hamill should and will defeat everyone. It doesn't really? make any sense. Yeah. Who are you going for? If I, if I say Mark Anthony, does that make me lame? Makes you Cuban. Does make me Cuban. Okay, so... So this week we finally got Burritos and Armando's favorite marks. Uh, as we well know that Dale's favorite mark is Mark Wahlberg. Mine as well. I think it's yours, Steven, or did you have a different one? No, I, I really didn't care how this whole thing developed, but Mark Wahlberg was my <laughs> guy, to be honest with you. And then you got Armando, who's a big uh, Luke Skywalker fan, it sounds like. So he's going with Mark Hamill. And then Burrito's going to go with his... Uh, Cuban background and you know his favorite Mark Anthony. Uh, what about you, John? Who's your favorite Mark? Man, so whenever this started, uh, you know, being from I 
born and raised in Dallas and a big Mavericks guy, is Mark Cuban, uh, 100%, but he's caught some major flack in the media. So, um, But anyway, I'm, I'm going to stay with what I started with. So Mark Cuban, owner of the Mavericks, I think he's a hilarious guy, loves Shark Week, just through testing times right here. So we'll see what happens in the media and all that kind of stuff. But All right, fellas, let's move on to the bagel debate. This is what you guys want to talk about. So here's the clip from Dale and... Armando. Armando talking about different bagels and if they should be toasted or should they just be as is. Uh, bagels toasted or not toasted? My feeling is definitely toasted tastes a little better in most cases. There are some factors that play into an untoasted bagel that makes it better. Laziness. Laziness is one, sure. What's next? Because I don't Two, know. if the bagel's cold and the cream cheese is cold, it's actually really good. It's like having ice cream th- on bread. No, no. The third point is toasting doesn't make it that much different. It warms up the bread. The outside gets toasty, but that's about it. Okay, let's agree on one thing. Bread is better warm. You like a warm toasted piece of bread. Not all. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Some, yeah, in some cases it is, some cases it's Tr- not. Traditionally, sure. Everyone has their particularities they like certain things certain yeah. ways you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you don't heat up the bread exactly i get it okay a to- like i agree with burrito they should always ask if you want the bread toasted but don't be upset if they just toast it bread is better warm no no i disagree i think it everything should be served the way it comes unless otherwise specified so all bagels come warm is what we're saying is what you're agreeing to no, 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 no. Bagels come not toasted. If you want it other anything other than how it is in the store at the time, Shit. then you got to. You ask got for me. It. You got me. Remember that bagel place I took you took you in New York? Yeah, they, yeah. they, they never toasted them. Oh, really? Yeah, just realized mm-hmm. that. That's interesting. Yeah. See, so if New York, yeah, fuck. There you go. Fuck. Burrito's right. What are you guys' thoughts on the bagels? Well, I mean, Man. for me. Uh, uh, I'm all about a bagel being toasted, and you know I'm gonna lather that thing up and and butter with some jelly or slap some cream cheese on it. Now, the one thing I do want to touch on that whole scenario, that whole debate between uh, Armando and Dale is, I thought actually it was quite funny uh, when Dale was getting into talking about you know bagels being served as they come. So you have a cold bagel and cold cream cheese, and then Armando jumps in and goes, yeah, that's great. That's basically ice cream on bread. <laughs> like, I thought that part was kind of funny. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. you got to have it toasted. There's a button on the toaster for a reason. Which exactly. I, I don't know about. Do you guys know what the button, the bagel button does on the toaster? I don't think most people understand this. I think it just Do, makes are you guys bagel familiar? goodness, I think, is what I'm getting. What I'm a it does make it good, but like, what does the button on the toaster do? Like, I had to look this up because I'm not a very smart individual. The button on Are that toaster probably added about five or ten dollars to the cost of that toaster. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth everything. It just turns off the outside toasters, so whenever you push the bagel button, it just does the inside. That's it. And I think that's exactly right. You got to toast it, but lightly. If you over toast it. Man, you just wasting everybody's time and always cream cheese as much as you could possibly put on there. Man, look at John breaking down the science of the bagel side of the toasting. That's impressive, I'm man. Just saying. All that film I, watching I, uh, you brought into bagel toasting. I like it. I'm pro bagel. First round <laughs> draft pick, in my opinion. 
All right, so I'm about to blow your minds again. So, do you like a spread or a, or a smear? Oh, dang. That's tough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, so, I, I want it, like, lumped on there is what I want. And I don't want any fruit on my bagel at all. I'm not a fruit guy. So, I want, like, the most unhealthy environment possible on that guy. I think if you could just nice. literally turn a container of cream cheese upside down on half a bagel, pull all that out of there, and then slap the other half on top of that, it's like you had me at hello. <laughs> I'm more of a uh I'm more of a Asiago Asiago and jalapeno cheese Ooh. type all person right. for my bagel. All right. so, I like yeah, it. Yeah, uh, as far as favorite places though, Panera Bread probably has probably some of the best bagels. Oh, their Asiago cheese bagels are they're epic. Yeah. They're exquisite. Yeah. All right, well let's get in uh, you know, fifteen minutes in, not including some clips, but uh let's start talking about some combine. I'm going to leave the room and let you two go at it for a little while. Oh, man. Oh, I love it, man. So I, I was hoping that uh, we could focus on running back specifically this week and kind of see where we're at. So y- you got to watch the combine, man. How did you feel about Saquon Barkley's performance? Uh, I, You know, I think everything that he put forward uh, and throughout the combine just solidified everything that he did throughout the season. I mean, this guy, he – He's just he's he's a home run. Uh, I, I I was telling Austin last week I, I would be shocked if he makes it out of the top three. Uh, and after his performance, I'd be really surprised if Cleveland doesn't take him. And then seeing the moves that they made this week, uh, I'd be even more surprised if they don't take him at number one. And then you know either look at another quarterback at four or trade back a few spots, collect a few draft picks, and then maybe still look at a quarterback or you know, somebody on the defensive side of the ball. But, uh, I mean, Barkley, he's just – we haven't seen a talent like that in a little while. No, I, I that's well said. And I do not value running backs as far as, like, NFL positional value. They're very low on the list. But this kid is something else. And he is a difference maker. And yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. I, wanna, I can't wait till the NFL prop bets come out for – how soon he'll come off the board because I'd put it at three as well because obviously Cleveland has a huge need there. So do the Giants and so do the Colts. And I think kind of the best landing spot for Saquon Barkley, and I just put this out in my article, which should be published soon with uh, Eat Sleep Fantasy, is the Colts would be the best spot for him. Could you imagine him and Andrew Luck in the same backfield if Luck's healthy? Oh, my gosh. It it would just be insane. It would be insane. It, it would be scary. And – I mean, if you think about it with that offense, you know, we we saw how much it hurt last year. And I really like Marlon Mack in the backfield as well. And I think that him and Barkley would be insanely great together. Obviously, Mack would be, you know, limited with his involvement. Uh, but I, I think he would be a great I, – I can't even say change of pace because their game is relatively the same. But I think Barkley's a lot yeah, more I, elevated. Well said. Yeah, I kind of see Mac as like the JV version of what Barkley is. And very similar game and very explosive. But yeah, I, I think that'd be a good fit because then you could interchange them completely. And obviously you'd have probably a 75 to 25 split in Barkley's manner. But they let Frank Gorgo, you know, my heart throb forever. But the sky's the limit. And it doesn't matter in any dynasty league you're in, whether that's PPR, half point, super flex, 2QB, 
doesn't matter. Barkley is the number one pick across all boards. Uh, don't overthink it. He is absolutely special. And I know there's some people out there saying, well, well, he doesn't run through the tackles very well. He has at times. But that was one of the historically worst offensive lines that has been played power five football in a long time at Penn State and he made up for a lot of their shortcomings so he can do it he's got the build for it he just wasn't asked to do it a lot so that's one thing that he will have to adjust for but kid's a beast absolutely safe 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 pick yeah he there's there's no question about that and the only way I could say that he's not an unquestioned number one is if you're in a startup dynasty league but outside of that if you're an existing dynasty league well, and obviously redraft leagues, but if you're in a dynasty league, yeah, he he is without question. It doesn't matter who is in your free agent pool that that's just sitting in there in the draft pool. He is without a doubt the number one guy. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I'll say this, and if you are doing a startup dynasty draft, you're probably looking at that 106 to 110 range. And you'll find out, you're obviously not going to do your startup draft before uh, the NFL draft, at least hope not. But if you do, that's kind of where he's going to be. You've got your two big stud running backs, and then after that, you've got uh, your top receivers, and he's going to be going in that range, depending on how you value guys like Julio Jones, Alvin Kamara, so on and so forth. But his 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 ceiling's higher than anybody's. Yeah, it, it really is. I agree 100%. The next two guys I want to talk to together and kind of get your opinion. Now, the, the general consensus is the number two running back in this draft class is Darius Geis out of LSU. But I don't think so. I love Sony Michelle, and he's my number two overall guy. But I want to kind of get your thoughts on either one or both of these guys and then kind of argue just a little bit. See, I, uh, you know, John, I, I'm very torn between these guys. I, I love them both, but I don't, I don't disagree with your point of view on Michelle being number two simply because I think he brings more to the table for today's NFL running back. Uh, Darius Geis is without a doubt a beast. He's a very physical runner. He's fast. He he has all the tools. And, you know, a, a lot of people that have analyzed him has said that he's been better than Leonard Fournette. And Austin and I touched on that briefly last week. And the only way that I could see that he's better is that he's been a more healthy running back than Leonard Fournette. But just everything that uh, Michelle brings to the table. It, it, it's really hard to not look at him as the number two value running back in this draft. Yeah, and I, for me, the big thing is versatility, scheme versatility. Absolutely. Darius Geis was never really heavily involved in the passing game and only averaged about 10 catches per year. Now, he's on film, those catches that he does, he has 32 career catches. He catches the ball fairly well. Uh, the ball gets into his body a little bit too much. He's not a natural patch catcher. And what I mean by that is he doesn't pluck the ball out of the air with his hands. It gets into his body, which is troublesome. So I, I think a lot of teams are going to see guys as a first and second down runner. And if you're in a standard dynasty and you're just trying to hope for touchdowns and yards, I think that's great. But in most dynasty and leagues are moving to this half point or full point PPR, Sony Michelle's going to be that guy because he fits every single offensive scheme there is. He can be the third down guy to start out his rookie year. He can be a full three down back or he can be the first and second bell, uh, down bell cow. And so he reminds me of Willis McGahee before the injuries. And that's high praise coming from me. I love the way that kid played. 
but I love me some Sony Michelle, and I think that he's going around the 1.05, and you can get a Man, I am trying to trade within that three, four, or five spot in all of my dynasty leagues just because I, I want this kid on my team big time. Yeah, I, I don't think that's bad. I mean, you know, if, if you're in a position to where you can set yourself up to get a talent like that and, you know, if you're trying to trade up and, and reach a little bit, I, I don't think that's a terrible move because that's a guy, regardless of where he lands, I, I think that young man has a, has a bright, future ahead of him the only thing that scares me with michelle is his fumbling issues which seem to get better but that is the only way that i can look at his game and say okay how can this kid not be successful at the next level and it's outside of fumbling issues which i think can be coached out uh, we saw what happened with tiki barber back in the day like you can actually cut this is a mentality and a practice thing so if he fixes those issues Man, I really do think that we're going to be looking back on this. And I have him as my 15th overall ranked player in the NFL draft. But I have guys right behind him. So it's it's really pick your poison. Uh, two different skill sets, but two very, very talented kids. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And, you know, you, you touched on where I was going to go with on the on the fumbling. Is, you know, if you look at a guy like Tiki Barber, but, you know, to touch on your point earlier about his receiving skills, which is huge, and he's actually a, a, a good pass protector. Right is that he does he, he he plucks the ball out of the air, uh, tucks it. I mean he transitions well. He plucks it. He gets his head upfield, and he's great in the open space. So, you know, the fact that he could pass, protect, receive. You know, he does get the, the the fumbling situation under control. We're looking at a solid running back. Yep, well said. And the last one that I want to talk about today again is Carry On Johnson, the running back out of Auburn, and just an absolute beast. He's six foot two twelve. He's a Big, big guy, physical runner with an amazing stiff arm. How do you think that these physical running backs can transfer their game to the next level? Because whenever I watch this kid's film, I'm thinking, again, this is not an insult. This is a huge compliment. He's a poor man's Adrian Peterson. Um, Obviously not Adrian Peterson. He does not have those skill set. But he's an absolute animal that is an upright runner that... Brings his knees up during contact, which I love. Roger Craig, man, like he was the epitome of that. But do you think that these guys can bring this game into the NFL whenever they run so hard like that? Uh, they, they can. It, it's hard to say about the longevity. Um, but one thing I can say about Kerryon Johnson is I know he's he's an athlete. Uh, he was actually uh, an All-State basketball player in high school. You know, it, I did not know that. Yeah, I got to add that into my notes. When you look at a guy that you know is is a multi sport athlete, you know you can't help but think about you know what their capabilities really are and the things that they understand and how they train. And I mean, there's a lot of factors into that. You know, their type of dedication. So you know, if you think about playing multiple sports and you're you know you're succeeding well at them. I mean, an all state basketball player, obviously, he was a very good football player too be able to get to this point. So that's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of studying, you know, things of that sort. You know, the one thing I can say about him is, you know, it's hard to say if he'll end up being a legit running back, like, you know, three down back, you know, he might be more of a committee that would be uh, the leader in time um, just because I'm not a hundred percent sure about his receiving skills. So he might end up losing that volume on third down, but I know that he's he's very good between the tackles. He's not afraid to lower the boom. He's a good pass protector. 
you know, so he has a lot of a lot of opportunity in the NFL ahead of him. Yeah, I really think that the teams that miss out on the big three running backs, and you could throw Nick Chubb in there if you want to, like there's going to be somebody moving up for Carryon Johnson that think this is the last of the top tier. And if we don't get one of the big three or four, like, okay, let's make a move. Let's go get this guy before he's gone. Because I have him closer to, like, he's in that tier. He's in the top tier. I can see him going very uh, early second round to mid-second round is where I have him slotted as far as the NFL goes. And, I, and you know, and, and I think that's fair. Uh, that That's not a terrible place for him. Uh, he He's actually... In my opinion, I think he's going to fall in the same or area. Guy out of San Diego State. Oh, Rashad Penny. Rashad, Rashad Penny. Penny. Yeah, so Rashad Penny, he's a guy, man, he, he's a tell of two tapes for me. You watch him in the run game. I love the way he hits the hole. I, I love his mentality. I love all those things. But if it is a passing play... Man, it is as abysmal as I have ever seen in pass protection. He is the lowest graded pass protecting running back I have ever seen. He just does not want to touch anybody. Um, he will watch his quarterback get sacked. And one of the things that scares me with him is because I love the way he runs. His stats back it up. The measurables back it up. He ran a four four six, which is awesome. But the problem is... Pass protection will keep you out of the game in the NFL because you're going to get your quarterback hurt. He can catch the ball okay. He has a lot of drops, but if he gets the ball in his hands, as we saw in the senior bowl, he can take it to the house. It's just, is he going to be able to take this on, or is he just going to be a first, second down uh, thumper, which would be terrible because he has the shake and the speed and the agility in the open space. So, man, I'm, I'm a little lower on Penny than most, but... I'm like mad at myself for being low on him, if that makes any sense. No, and it does. And, you know, and I look at Johnson and I look at Penny as guys that will, will probably go in the second round and, you know, to a point they have, you know, their faults. But Penny, you know, the one thing you're going, you know, you're touching on his uh, pass protection, and that is huge. That That is really big in today's NFL. And, you know, two of the biggest knocks on a guy like David Johnson, for example, you know, he was a converted wide receiver, uh, you know, he, he was knocked really hard for his pass protection and, you know, right around mid year, you know, guys like, you know, Carson Palmer, for example, was, you know, noting that, you know, that young man was picking it up. And when Chris Johnson went down, David Johnson came in and the rest is history. So, you know, with, uh, on Johnson and right. Rashad Penny, you know, the faults that they have, that's going to allow them to slip to the second and possibly even the third round, depending on what teams are looking for at that time. You know, they're, they're coachable faults. So, you know, we'll, we'll yep. see how, we'll see how that all develops as the years move on. Well said, man. I, I love breaking down running backs. We could go all day, but we'll, we'll cap it right there. And maybe next week we can jump into some receivers that are trending up or trending down and where you can target those uh, studs in your draft. So, Austin, where you at, brother? Hey, I'm back, man. I walked back in the room just in time, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on to the future. We got free agency coming up tomorrow, man. I tell you what, it's pretty exciting. We're looking forward to it. Hey, so I'm going to throw out some teams here with their cap, their cap room, and you just tell me some thoughts here after I'm done. So we got the Jets. They got the most cap space right now at $90 million. The Browns, they got $83 million. The Colts, they're sitting at $72 million. The Bucks at 71, of course, you two fuck sticks and the 49ers at 79. <laughs> now, t- now, teams with no wiggle room, none at all. The Eagles are over their cap space by 9 million. 
So when I'm done, I, I'm kind of curious who you think they could drop. I, I don't have a clue. Dolphins, uh, they're sitting at $3 million over their cap space. The Steelers have a mill to play with, and then the Cowboys have $3 million. Oh, man. I, I'm so Free agency is fun because it kind of lets you see the front office mentality of, are we win now? Or are we still building? Because you can roll over your cap space, which the 49ers and Browns have continued to do. And that's why they had so much space and have spent so much this year and still have so much available. So it's such a fun time because the team's going to tell you, ah, we're still a little ways out or hell no, let's go. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, it's just it, it's going to be really interesting to see teams like the Browns and the Colts. Uh, and the Jets, because they do have, uh, yes, the Bucks and the 49ers are there. I mean, they're all north of, you know, they're all 70 million in north, but the Jets and the Browns and the Colts in particular, because those teams have a ton of holes to fill. And, you know, this is a decent free agency class, and, you know, for positions like running back, it, it isn't the strongest and, you know, neither is it uh, for the quarterback position outside of, you know, Kirk Cousins, I mean, yes, uh, you know, Nick Foles is going to be a hot topic uh, to trade for, you know, uh, Case Keenum's going to be out there, Teddy Bridgewater's going to be out there. There's a lot of those names, but let's let's just look at the fact that Kirk Cousins is, he's the lottery guy. So, right. you know, there are a lot of pieces out there for those teams to throw money at. Um, so it, what they do, I think Browns and Colts in particular, uh, what they do in free agency uh, could really change the scope of the first couple picks in the NFL draft. Yeah, so with free agency coming up, hey, let's look at uh, some news from the past. Hey, the first kid I'm going to bring up, hey, here's a quick clip from Brito and Armando talking about Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater? So it appears a lot of teams are actually interested in Teddy Bridgewater as a starter. I mean, the guy is maybe not an above average starter. Maybe he's you know, 20 to 25 starter in the NFL right now, especially coming off of the serious injury that he sustained. I'm starting to lean more towards he's going to be a starter in the NFL in 2018. Do you think he's a good fit for the Jets? Who are the ones that seem to be the most interested in, in him right now? The Jets were clear are clearly all in on the Kirk Cousins situation. If uh, New York cannot land Kirk Cousins, I think they are, like you just mentioned, strongly in the running for Teddy Bridgewater. I think the Jets are just fucking idiots. I don't get it. Like, why not? You you have a top five pick. Just draft a rookie. A top they are, five. Like, that's, I think, realistically speaking, plan A for them is Kirk Cousins. Plan B is drafting a, a top five quarterback. And then plan C would be Teddy Bridgewater. If I'm rating it as what they're going to do. I think they're worried right now that they're not going to get their guy at five. They don't want to give up more picks to do so. So if they can't do exactly what they want in the draft, then I can totally see them going after Teddy Bridgewater. I just, I think it makes way more sense. Even I think Case Keenum makes more sense than Teddy Bridgewater for the Jets. I mean, there's, I think there's more upside with Case Keenum right now. Teddy Bridgewater has not had a season like Case Keenum. I think Teddy Bridgewater has all the upside in the world as a quarterback. He was so promising before he had that injury. Hey, just remember, uh, Vikings have $47 million to play with, and the Jets have $90 million to play with when it comes to cap space. What do you guys think about Teddy Bridgewater being a QB1 somewhere? Uh, I think Bridgewater uh, can bring some value to pretty much any team and not saying that he's going to come out and, and be 
an absolute stud. I think he'll be somewhere in the 20s as far as uh, fantasy quarterbacks go. But the guy's been a game manager from day one. You know, he's he's careful with the ball. So, you know, he can come in and just be uh, a solid player at that position. But he is also a guy that needs pieces around him with a solid defense. Yeah, and I think he'll be the last kind of peg to fall. I think you've got your, you know, obviously Kirk Cousins is going to go first, and then teams are going to start scrambling for, you know, whether that's Keenum or A.J. McCarron, and then I think the last one's going to be Terry uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's going to be the last one. Whatever team doesn't land their kind of top free agent quarterback, they're going to pair Bridgewater to start early. And then kind of very similar mindset to what Cleveland's doing right now with Tyrod Taylor. We're going to put this this kid in place, and then we're going to groom a young quarterback, whether that's Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen, so on and so forth. So he'll be starting. I think he'll be a week one starter. His health is good. He's, he checked out, but I don't think that he's going to be a long-term option. And I think it's going to be a, probably a one- or two-year prove-it deal that's front-loaded, kind of like what happened with Mike Glennon. But maybe not as much money shouldn't be as much money anyway yeah i agree with that yeah john you, you touched on our next uh qb tyrod taylor went to the browns that one shocked me pretty good i wasn't expecting that one and then the browns sent kaiser to the packers kaiser i actually i like kaiser last season uh, i felt like he was running from his life uh, they did not have an offensive line for him and that's why the cause of all the interceptions i was shocked that uh that he that they got rid of him you know, I, I think Kaiser has uh, some upside to him, and this might even be a blessing in disguise for him to go to Green Bay and, and sit behind uh, Aaron Rodgers there. But as far as Tyrod Taylor with the Browns, you know, what we've seen from uh, Taylor in Buffalo, we, we could see something a little bit different with the Browns. Uh, you know, with if Josh Gordon can stay out of trouble, stay on the field, if Corey Coleman can stay healthy and stay on the field, and then their newly acquired wide receiver. Um, that guy has some pieces that he really didn't have to work with uh, over there in Buffalo. Yeah, it's, it's an upgrade everywhere except for running back, I think. I mean, LaShawn McCoy, it, but again, that could change if they get Saquon Barkley, but I'm with you. Uh, it, it's Tyrod's going to be a fantasy asset. Deshaun Kaiser was putting up QB1 numbers uh, several weeks last year, and what people don't realize, he just turned 22 years old. So he's going to be going into his second contract whenever he's only 25 because he wasn't a first-round pick, so there's no fifth-year uh, fifth option. So he's going to be a 25-year-old uh, quarterback looking into his second contract, which is going to be interesting. So hopefully he doesn't play too much in Green Bay, right, and we keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. But, yeah, the kid's got a future now. If you stay in that Browns uniform, man, they almost screwed him up for good. Yeah, <laughs> everybody no seems kidding. to get impaled over there in Cleveland. <laughs> all right fellas we're gonna move on to the running backs hey here's a quick clip from armando driving deep into the meat next the next is i'm gonna drive into a little more meat here is Le'Veon bell has <laughs> been driving to a little more meat okay we need to... <laughs> bell has been tagged he hasn't signed it yet do you see anything happening besides you know him signing a tag and playing week one he will have a deal in place at some point this offseason he will not hold out after he gets this deal the Steelers want him. He wants to play for the Steelers. Everything will have, will work out. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, there's two franchise tags. Uh, he got the exclusive one, which basically means if somebody wants to sign him or trade for him, they have to give up two firsts, which basically means hands off. 
You got anything on that, Steven? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, Le'Veon Bell, uh, honestly, he, he even came out and said that this is going to be a repeat of last year. So I think the only way that he sets foot in camp this year is if they do eventually work out a long-term deal. But if not, he's going to sit it out. When it comes game time week one, he's going to be available. He's going to make his $14.5 million for the year. Uh, but what I do think is that for what we saw out of Connor last year, uh, Bell comes back week one and he's ready to go without being in camp all year. Uh, you might see a little bit of an uptick with Connor for the first couple of weeks, but once Bell is fully in game shape, then there's there's nothing left for, for Connor unless Bell goes down with an injury. Hey, so the next running back we're going to talk about, hey, so the Bills brought in Chris Ivory. Man, and I think this is actually where Chris Ivory needed to go. In deeper leagues, he's somebody you want to grab onto. Uh, his physical running style, he can never stay healthy. He's just never going to be able to. But in that backup role, and he can come in with limited carries, why not? You'll be able to get him free almost everywhere, and he's worth his stash in Dynasty Leagues, but nothing special. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. He's, it, there's really nothing special there. I mean, even with... You know, the opportunities that he had uh, in Jacksonville last year when with Fournette being hurt. And he just, he, he really hasn't done anything since, you know, the quick flash in the pan that we saw uh, over there in New York. You know, I'm, I'm not super excited about it. I mean, I think he's a guy worth drafting because, you know, we've all seen uh, LaShawn McCoy have his uh, injury issues there. And I think the only way Ivory's really going to see the field is if Shady goes down. But, you know, as a handcuff, absolutely, you should hold on to him. And then, you know, if you're in deep formats and you want a running back to, you know, throw on the bench and, you know, if you have a couple of weeks where McCoy goes down and Buffalo has good matchups and plug him in, hey, more power to you. Yep. All right. So also happening this week was uh, DeMarco Murray was released by the Titans. Now, Dante Foreman was a kid. I fell on the sword. I guess I'd call it for last season. He's one of my regrets. Uh, I really expected him to take the role. He did well, but his mouth got him in trouble. So, what do you what do you think of some potential landing spots for Demarco? Um, I know yeah, I don't. I, oh, sorry, John. Uh, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. I, I I know I've I've heard some conversations up here in Detroit about about at least uh, pursuing him and, and see what happens. But I think regardless of wherever Murray goes, he he's going to be in a committee situation. You know, he he's. He, he's definitely on the back end of his career. He's had a lot of touches. Uh, he's, he's had a few injuries, you know, on the lower par- portion of his body, which we all know is big uh, for an NFL running back. So, you know, me personally, as a stopgap, uh, especially a guy, you know, looking at goal line situations, red zone situations, I'd like to see him in Detroit. But outside of that, you know, he, he's really going to land in a committee situation wherever he goes. Yeah, and that's just who he is. I mean, his yard per carry, his yard per carry is just dropping throughout his season, uh, throughout his career. And I think he's going to be one of those post draft signees, unless he wants to sign in on a very low incentive based deal, because nobody's going to want to commit to him for more than one year, let alone two. So the team that maybe doesn't get their draft crush at running back, or something happens, I could see him coming in at camp. Or somewhere along those lines, after an injury takes place, yeah. kind of like what Chris, what happened with Chris Johnson in Arizona, a similar situation. Yeah, I agree, and that's even kind of similar to what's been going on with Legarrette Blount as well. Yep. 
Yeah, and the last running back we'll talk about, Jonathan Stewart was released this week. Man, I don't think there is much out there for him, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I think that he was in his best situation possible. If he can find another role that's kind of like what Latavius Murray does in the Vikings. But again, you're going to pay so much. It'd be so much easier just to draft a guy in the fourth or fifth round that can do the same thing. Again, post-draft signing at best, and not even worth stashing right now in Dynasty Leagues because he's got to go to a perfect situation. Yeah, no, I, I I don't disagree with anything you just said there. I don't even really know how much more I can even add to that. But, I, <laughs> you know, it's just the last thing I even really uh, heard about Jonathan Stewart after his release is that, uh, you know, Seattle was looking at him. But I even even there, you know, there there's a lot of, you know, crazy things going on there in the backfield in Seattle with Lacey and Rawls. And then if you add Stewart to that, but I still think Chris Carson's the guy. He's, you know, for me with Dynasty, and you're looking at that mess of a backfield over there if you're going to own anybody, that's Chris Carson. So it, it's it's really tough to say where Stewart's going to land, A, and then B, what type of value he's even going to bring. Man, he was part of one of just the grossest backfields of all time as far as, like, fantasy talent. Because you had Tolbert still in all the touch- touchdowns. You had D'Angelo, who was probably the most talented. And then you had Jonathan Stewart. But they all just took away all their fantasy value. So they were all talented, but you can never have a guy to start. And so it scares me moving forward just because is Carolina going to do the same thing and go get another stud running back to split time with Christian McCaffrey. And I really hope that they let him have a little bit more of a lead dog role. Well, I think they if they need somebody for McCaffrey. I think they need somebody that can run a little harder between the tackles. I think they need a guy that can play a little tougher in the red zone. Because, I mean, if you really think about it with McCaffrey's capabilities, you know, Let's go back to DeMarco Murray. Let's say you implement him in there for a year or two, right? So you can set yourself up in a single back formation and flank out McCaffrey with the with Greg Olson and Funches and Samuel, right? So that's a unique situation right there. You know, what are defenses really going to do? So, you know, you can put a thumper in that backfield and still utilize McCaffrey. So I, I think one way or another, they're going to add somebody to help him out. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Well said. All right, fellas, we're going to move into the wide receivers. Hey, real quick, here's a quick clip of uh, Breed on Armando talking about Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry has signed his tag, and he, the Dolphins have allowed him to go ahead and seek a trade. So there's four teams that are interested in trading for him, and I think the big names that we know about are the Ravens, the Bears, and the 49ers. Tell us a little bit more about what's been proposed on the Bear side, because I think this is a very interesting trade that's been rumored. The trade in place right now that I, from my understanding, and I don't know how far it's going, but uh, the Dolphins would trade Jarvis Landry for Jordan Howard and a third round pick and swap six round picks. Right now, I think as a Dolphins fan, I don't think that is in their best interest, giving up a draft pick. And I, I do believe in Kenyon Drake. And I do believe that they can draft a running back at the same level of Jordan Howard. So I think they should gamble with Kenyon Drake and maybe sign somebody as, as well and not waste a third round pick. They should get an offensive lineman in the draft or another cornerback or, you know, draft another wide receiver instead of trading for a running back who can be found in the draft in a deep running back class. I don't I I do agree that maybe the Dolphins should consider moving Jarvis Landry for pieces, but I'm not sure running back is really a need. That's, that's so, such a gaping hole. I, I, I don't think they love Drake. 
the Dolphins could get better pieces for Jarvis Landry, even if it's just a one-year tag, because wherever he does go, he is going to work out a long-term deal with that team. Dolphins get something for Jarvis Landry, do a better job than asking for a running back. Where do you think he'll make the biggest impact if he do, where he does sign? If it's with the Ravens, the Bears, or the Niners, where do you think he can make the biggest impact in a positive way? I think he could make the biggest impact with the 49ers just because the quarterback situation is the best. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is an above average quarterback. If he goes there, I think he makes an immediate impact on that team. Yeah, I think that the I personally think the Ravens are the perfect fit for Landry, and I really hope that they're willing to give up a first round pick for him. I don't think the Dolphins should take anything less than a first round pick for Jarvis Landry. Hey, surprise, he went to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty, man. Right. Definitely. Yeah, you know, and, and this is, you know, as I said earlier in the pod, you know, the the added player in Cleveland. I was trying not to give it away until we got to this point. But, you know, Jarvis Landry has has been without question uh, a, a PPR monster uh, in the fantasy world. And I believe he actually holds the record through the four, first four seasons uh, with the most receptions. So being over there in Cleveland and, and touching again on whether, you know, Gordon can stay on the field, whether Coleman can stay on the field and what you, you, you may see a different Tyrod Taylor. It, it's really hard to say. Uh, that Jarvis Landry is going to put up the same type of numbers that he was doing over there in, in Miami, but I think he'll pro- it'll probably be a slight tick down, but he's going to still bring you some value in PPR formats. Yeah, well said. And another person that I think that this hurts is Johnson, the running back, their third down running back, who is just absolute. Duke Johnson's awesome. Um, he's put up great numbers, but I think he's going to take away a lot of those check down kind of patterns. And it almost seems like they're preparing the way again. We said before for Saquon Barkley, I I think if you put him into that role, Duke Johnson's going to have lesser value. And there's already rumors out there that Duke Johnson and Corey Coleman might be, uh, traded soon. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I agree with that whatsoever. You know, if you add, if you have Jarvis Landry, and there, and you know, if we go back to drafting Saquon Barkley, that entirely eliminates Duke Johnson's role in that entire offense. So, you know, if they t- Which, if they take Barkley at one, you know, Duke Johnson's a he to me, he's just a chip to trade in the draft and get another pick. And I love that kid, but you don't want to build your offense around him. You don't want to stop him from allowing you to get an elite elite talent. You could trade Duke Johnson and get the equivalent of a third or fourth round pick this year. Um, he would be very high on the list of these current uh, running backs, especially just because what he can do in the passing game. Agreed. All right, fellas, let's check out this next clip with uh, about Allen Robinson. Jags will not be franchising Allen Robinson. He's not going to get tagged by Jags, and he's not going to get resigned. Where do you see him going now? This is kind of official. I think the Chicago Bears really need a big free agent wide receiver. I could see him going there. Another team that really needs a wide receiver that you've pointed out is the Ravens. Their cap space is not great. 49ers. We'll see. 49ers. Hmm. They they need a wide receiver pretty bad. And they've been in talks for Jarvis Landry as well. So I think that uh, getting Allen Robinson would be a nice Another plan good pick. B. Yep. Is a team that I, I've mentioned in the past, but I can see it. I can see it happening. So... They need the 1A receiver. They don't have one. They have, you know, Garcon, who's a good slot guy. They have Goodwin, who's 
you know, probably a good wide receiver too, but they don't have a guy that's going to break someone's back. The Jags are going to be putting their stock in Marquise Lee Mm -hmm. as their one going forward. And I think that's very interesting for fantasy stock. We're looking at the big, the big guy, Allen Robinson, but I think keep your eye on Marquise Lee. I think he has the potential to have even more value in 2018 than he did in 2017. He is a free agent as well and hasn't been resigned or tagged. He, so. he will be 100%. What this move means is that they're going to have, they're going to bring back Lee because that's who they believe in. They have a week to do that. And I, yep. think, that, I think there's going to be a lot of teams interested in Marquise Lee because he is talented and a first round draft pick. So let me guess, you both want him to go to the 49ers? He he was my number one free agent uh, target. I uh, how can you not? So he's one of three players in the history of the NFL to have fourteen hundred yards receiving by the age of twenty two, and he is the same age. He's the same age as Calvin Ridley coming out of the draft this year. Like he was so young when he came out. Absolutely, go get this kid. I I want uh, fourteen million dollars a year, three to four year deal. I'd be so happy. I'd be stoked to have this kid in San Fran. Austin, you sounded so bitter about that. <laughs> oh, I don't. I, let's like we talked about last week, man. I don't know if I'm just aligned around nothing but 49er fans, but man, it just gets old seeing all this stuff about. Oh, he should go to the 49ers. It's like an Oprah Winfrey. He goes to the 49ers. He goes yeah. to the 49ers, except it's the Browns right well, now. Well, that's it. And, and, and I don't disagree with you, but, you know, just just touching on earlier with, with the upside, and we were talking about Jimmy G, and, you know, they just had the, the extension with Goodwin. And, I mean, they have $70 million to still. implement. You know, <laughs> right, exactly, still. So, Scary. You, you know, there is a ton of upside with that team. And, you know, we saw what Goodwin did last year, and then George Kittle, and you bring in a guy like Allen Robinson – you know, if they, you know, they keep uh, Carlos Hyde there, you know, they still have a ton of money with draft picks to address the defensive side of the ball, address the offensive line. But another place that I could see Robinson going where he could really uh, excel and help out a young quarterback would be Chicago. I mean, I I, I think Chicago would be a good yeah, place for him too. Thing. You know, they're looking for somebody there, and it's hard to say what's going to happen with Cam Meredith, but with a young quarterback like that, you know, and, and if, and if they don't eventually trade away uh, Jordan Howard, like they were the kind of silliness they were talking about there, but with Howard and Cohen, you add Robinson, you know, that, that really helps out uh, Mitch Trubisky who actually, you know, he, he looked a little promising uh, last year. So that could be another place for Robinson to land. Yeah, I know I'm with you there, and I, I think it would be a great fit to pair him up with your young QB, and man, he would he would be a target monster there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> they oh, would, for sure. They would just, I mean, it would be wonderful. So I, I as a fantasy uh, owner, I've traded for Allen Robinson in all of my dynasty leagues that I can, and I'm very excited because wherever he goes is going to be an upgrade over Blake Bortles and that terrible, terrible, terrible offense. <laughs> You mean the offense that's ran by Leonard Fournette with a monstrosity defense behind it? <laughs> yeah, and it's smart. I get it. But it is terrible to watch. How many didn't they win both their playoff games where Blake Bortles threw for 80 yards? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just – and it works. And I, not that I'm knocking them for what they do. It's just – it's like watching paint dry. Yeah, exactly. I'm, well, Tom Coughlin knows what he's doing over there, right? Yeah. 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 So real quick – since both teams are in the NFC West, the Rams or the 49ers this year? Which one are looking better? 
Oh, it's 49ers, man. We're, we're undefeated with Jimmy Garoppolo. We even won the coin toss at oh, the combine. God. We can't lose, man. I'm just telling you. I'm just if we if the 49ers could put a basketball team out there, they'd be my pick for March Madness. Oh, oh man, John, that that's lather it up in it, buddy. But I mean, <laughs> I I, I, I love I love San Francisco, but I mean, you look at what the Rams did last year, and you know with what they just added to their defense, Marcus Peters, Sam Shields, you know, Sam Shields has concussion issues, but you know, he, he's a big piece there. You just brought in a keep to and you know, that defense is very scary. I'll be really interested to see what they do as far as their coverage over the middle. Cause Alec Ogletree was a big part of that. And, you know, I know everybody says that he doesn't fit that scheme there, but what he does fit is, you know, he is a decent run stopper, but he is a great coverage inside linebacker that can quarterback a defense. So I'll be really curious to see how they can adjust to that. But with that offense, uh, you know, with what we saw out of Jared Goff last year, you know, basically with, you know, no big name receivers, I know everybody's high on Sammy Watkins. I still just to this day, I don't see it. Uh, You know, we saw a, a better year out of Todd Gurley. So that, that team has just a lot of, pieces a lot of good things going on so i i can't see the 49ers over the and Rams. young and oh and, and very young too yeah absolutely all right getting back into the wide receiver sorry it took us i feel like we uh we pulled an armando and burrito so <laughs> hey so hey mike evans just signed a, a contract extension now i'm telling you right now i've i've been high on mike evans he kind of i was a little disappointed but you know i don't I don't think it was his fault. Like I said, he had only three drops all last season. So, but it's good to see him going there. I'm sure he's going to be a, a number one or number two target for wide receivers this season. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I'm not as high on Evans as most are, but I mean, he's a stud. So he's a wide receiver one. He had a thousand and one yards and he's put up uh, four straight 1000 yard seasons, which is great. He's just, he has a unique skill set of posting up, and turning around and catching the ball. But again, he has been he has led the NFL the past two years in a row in lowest yards after the catch and most drop passes. So you have to limit his upside. You don't know what to get from him from touchdowns. His touchdown totals are 12, then the next year 3, then 12, then 5. So I'd love to have him on all my teams, but I do not put him near as high as a lot of people do as far as dynasty in the top 5. I don't know. That's just me. Honestly, I I don't put any wide receiver outside of Antonio Brown uh, in my top five with with anything, simply because of the way the game has evolved and and the uh, the amount of running backs that are available right now for the way the game's played today. Uh, but Mike Evans, you know, I, I'm with Austin on it. I don't think it's his fault. You know, I I think it's more, you know, to touch on one of our writers, uh, Mikey Henninger. You know, he brought up that. You know, the, the offense itself was just terrible, and, and it really was. You know, it, it was very, very bad. But, you know, when, when Evans was called upon, he, he produced. You know, only dropping a ball three times in, in a bad offense and, you know, inconsistent quarterback play. You know, he didn't see a lot of targets. Well, I mean, he did see a lot of targets, but not as many as you would expect. Uh, you know, Woodston was trying to build a chemistry with Jackson early on in the year. There was no run game. It, it, there was just a lot of things stacked against him. And, and you know, you could, it really kind of reminds me a little bit 
of, you know, some down years for a guy like Calvin Johnson in Detroit, you know, a guy who's mm-hmm. a solid player that was just stuck in a, in a bad offense in a bad scheme. And he produced when called upon, but outside of that, you know, what, what else could he really do? You know, so a guy like Mike Evans, regardless if it's dynasty redraft, stuff like that, with the upside that he has and, you know, he's a, he's a flashy name. He's a guy that I'm not even going to think to look at until the second round. All right. Hey, real quick, the last wide receiver we'll talk about for this evening, a hey, uh, Kenny Britt signed with the Pats. Woo, go Pats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think that there's much there just because he was already on the team and we didn't see much. And so, barring an injury or something, I don't think there's a lot of fantasy relevance there. But, hey, man, I, I see your, your Michigan shirt on, so I think I'm supposed to say he's going to be a wide receiver one. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. so. You know, it's actually really surprising with, with Kenny Britt there because, I mean, if you look at what they did with a guy like Michael Floyd last year, right? So, and they, they brought in players as rentals. And, you know, haven't re-signed them the following year. So it's really kind of surprising that they even re-signed them. I'm not really sure what's going on there. All right, let's move on to uh, tight ends. Here's a quick clip about uh, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham will not be returning to the Seattle Seahawks is what NFL Network's Tom Palacero is reporting. They're going to mutually agree to part ways. I think there are a number of options for him. Let's go with the Patriots. Oh, please don't say that one. But yeah, it is actually legitimately an option, but okay. Then there's the New Orleans Saints. Um, That's a very realistic scenario right now. I think they're one of the top three teams in contention. I think I think it'd be the perfect match. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, the Miami Dolphins are actually surprisingly in the running just because, you know, they love spending money on tight ends. Those are the top four. Who do you see them landing with? I think it's going to come down between the New Orleans Saints and the Miami Dolphins. I kind of agree with you. I I really do, and I know a lot of people are not going to agree with that. Adam Gase loves the tight end. I don't think he's found the right guy. I'm leaning towards he's going to be a Miami Dolphin, and they're going to spend money on bringing in Jimmy Graham. I'm not sure it's their biggest need, but it is a big need for the Dolphins right now. They they need a tight end. Uh, I, I don't see it as a bad move. Jimmy Graham, who... I mean, it's starting to approach the, you know, the tail end of his career. I think I'm, I don't think he's he's what he was in in, uh, in New Orleans. Um, I think we're kind of getting an idea of what he really is, but I think he's still a good good tight end, a perhaps even close to elite still. Um, not to the level of you know your Gronks and your Kelseys, but maybe just a tier below that. Yeah, the other team that I was going to mention was the 49ers, but I think we all agree that I think Dolphins make one splash a year in free agency, and I think it, all fingers are pointing towards Jimmy Graham. The problem right now is, you know, they have to clear cap space. Right now they have, you know, barely $6 million available, so, you know, they have to cut some guys and make them available. Yeah, I think Dolphins are probably going to make – that's their push for the offseason. So any thoughts on Jimmy Graham and a, a potential landing spot this week? Uh, honestly, I think Jimmy Graham is going to have a reunion in New Orleans. I, I know there's a lot of conversation about New England and, you know, Miami and just wherever else he could land. But, you know, he was very successful in New Orleans. And I think it was a very unexpected trade 
when he went to Seattle and it was a different atmosphere and a different fit for him. And, you know, the fact that he's available again and the wide receiver core in New Orleans uh, is a little bit different than his time there, but they, there was nobody really solid at the tight end position. And to add a guy like that uh, with Mike Thomas and Ted Ginn as the deep ball guy, and then you have that, you know, dynamic duo in the backfield with Ingram and Kamara, uh, you know, I, I really think that New Orleans could do some damage with a guy like Graham and the chemistry that him and Breeze had during his time there. I'm sure they would basically, it'd be like riding a bike. They'd pick up where they left off. Man, I would love to see that. I wouldn't be upset at all. I think if that doesn't work out, I think Cincinnati would be a perfect spot for him. Uh, we, we've seen how much Cincinnati likes to use the tight end and what they wanted to do with Tyler Eifert. He could just never stay healthy. Well, he's gone now. He's a free agent. If, if And they have the money to sign him. So if they were able to get him there, I think uh, he'd be a huge touchdown guy. Huge touchdown. Because Bengals got $40 million. Uh, available in cap space. I mean, they could totally do this deal because he'll get ten to twelve million um, on a one-year deal, and that that number will go down just a little bit uh, for two plus years. But I think he'll probably do a one one year prove it deal. Yeah, you know that that's actually a unique perspective, John. I didn't even think about uh, Cincinnati with him, but I, I think it's going to come down to you know, does he want to make more money or is he going to go after another ring? So I, I, yeah. I think where he's at in his career, you know, that that's that's going to be the uh, the ultimate tale right there. Well, if he wants to win a ring, he doesn't need to go to the Bengals because they don't <laughs> win playoff games. <laughs> All right, let's move into the defenses then. So everyone's favorite news of, of the past week, uh, Richard Sherman signed with the 49ers for a three-year deal. Go ahead and jizz. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and now it's time for shower number four. Oh, and just <laughs> lather up, just soak it in. Just soak and, it. and I'll say this, uh, there's, you know, the contract details are leaking out and it's not as bad as you would have thought. If he, he's betting on himself. So essentially it's a $9 million a year deal. And if he makes the Pro Bowl, that jumps up to just over 13 million. So it, it's he's betting on himself and if after 1 year it doesn't work out, it's a 3 million dollar cap hit on each year. So um that's what what's been released so far. I th- I think it's a huge get, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out and how healthy he is after that Achilles. Yeah, that that's that's the biggest thing is how he's coming back from that injury and, and where he sustained it during the season, but um you know, again, like we talked about earlier, it's it, it I think it's a good sign. Uh, for San Francisco, and based on the contract deals that you just laid out, I think it's even better. Uh, so, you know, again, we just have to see how it all plays out. But again, you know, he he's still a name that quarterbacks are going to think about. You know, for you know, look at a guy like Darrell Rivas. Obviously, not last year when he signed with Kansas City, but you know, he he had some years later on in his career, and and Rivas had his share of injuries to where you know quarterbacks were thinking twice about you know, taking right. a shot at Rivas Island. So we'll see what Sherman does. And, and the thing with Sherman is he's never used speed. He's always been slow. Yeah, he's very technical uh, He's a guy. physical, yep. long, technical guy. And that doesn't fade. He's like the Anquan Bolden of cornerbacks. It, it, he just, he's physical. So hopefully we'll, we'll see what happens. Yep. Yeah. Hey, the next, uh, the next player we'll talk about 
It's pretty interesting watching the Legion of Boom just get decimated like this. Watching them go over the place. But uh, Michael Bennett is an eagle now. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's a thing. The Eagles have the deepest defensive line probably in the NFL, and they just added an All-Pro player. It's been a while since he's played at that level, but still, yeah, the rich get richer. They're obviously going to let a couple of guys go. Uh, they're over the cap, and this is one of those reasons why Vinny Curry's going to be gone. I could see Chris Long being let go, so on and so forth. So they're going to have to make some moves, but man, they. The Eagles feel like they do things with a cheat code. And so curious to see how long this is going to last, but they're built to be around for a while. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they retain some of those guys, but I think they're really going to take a shot on, uh, on the defensive side of the ball uh, money-wise uh, as long as they can keep uh, Carson Wentz on his first contract. You know, I, I really think they, they got Bennett at a reasonably cheap price. And they could be looking at that's just some added depth. And when you're when you have, if you can add him to the defensive line that they had for the Super Bowl run, and you can continuously rotate players out like that, my lord! I'm, I mean, quarterbacks and offensive lines are just going to be having nightmares for 17 weeks during the regular season, and then moving forward through the postseason. Yeah. Nice. And then the last player we'll talk about tonight. Hey, let's check out this clip of with Dale and Armando talking about Ogletree. So Alec Ogletree was traded to the Giants for some mid-round draft picks, a fourth and a sixth. Ogletree is a good player. Last year, he didn't play as well as previous years. I think just moving around the defense kind of hurts Ogletree's value. I think he's still a very valuable player and he's going to help the Giants. Anything, anything's going to help the Giants. If he plays one game, it's going to be improvement. I would help the Giants. Yeah, he would. Great kicker. Uh, What are you guys' thoughts on Ogletree? Man, I I like Ogletree. He's very uh, versatile. The problem was whenever they switched from the 3-4 to the 4-3, he wasn't versatile enough. And so his talent and his age, it just wasn't going to fit there with with Wade and what he was trying to do. So uh, hopefully the new situation works out well for him. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think he'll work out just fine over there in New York. And, you know, again, touching on uh, earlier, I, I just I, I'll be really curious to see uh, who they have quarterback in that defense now. And, you know, you have the guys that they added at corner. You added Sam Shields. But you still need linebackers that can cover. And it, it really didn't seem like they had much outside of Ogletree. So, Defenses could potentially expose that defense over the middle, and they have a pretty strong front uh, as far as handling the running game goes. And, you know, a 3-4 to a 4-3 scheme is entirely different. It it really is. I'm not going to discredit that situation. Um, But when you're looking at, you know, third and long situations, who's going to be that guy that's going to handle the middle of the field like Ogletree could? So, that that that'll remain to be seen, and hopefully the rest of the defense can can make up for that type of loss. So I've worked with John for about a year now, helping him, or he's been submitting some awesome articles. And one thing I've always noticed is John loves kickers. So John, what are your thoughts <laughs> as far as Dale helping out the Giants as a kicker? Oh man, I think that um, one I would pay a lot of money to watch that. I'm pretty sure and... he has a YouTube video out there, doesn't he? Gosh. <laughs> Jeez, he's so John, that's a, 
I'd, John, I'd pay money hate, to watch it. Why do you hate kickers? Man, I don't like. I don't dislike kickers. Um, <laughs> Sounded like you did, John. <laughs> dude, you. Uh, hate, I know. Dude, I'm trying so hard to like if, spin this. If we were to go back <laughs> to all those videos, I think my favorite one is a kicker is nothing more than a dead stormtrooper. I think that's probably one of my favorite ones. So. Wow, that's bold. Nobody cares about it, right? Yeah. And, and so here's my thing, and it's not their fault. I hate it whenever kickers make more money than people that are laying their physical body on the line repeatedly and taking all these hits like running backs are one of the cheapest paid positions out there but who is the kicker that just got signed on a like four-year 20 million dollar deal like he's making more than half of the starting running backs in the nfl and i don't know that just seems wrong to me so i am attempting to right the wrongs of the salary cap world (laughs) one poor joke at a time well john i mean any any kick returner that gets loose that kicker's laying his life on the line, man. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's very very true. Who was the the kicker that um, Antonio Brown like kicked in the face? The punter he punted to him, and Antonio Brown runs it back and just drop kicked him in the face. I, I mean, it happens. So. I don't know, but that that guy I'm sure is uh, is is very popular, making a career like uh, <laughs> like Craig Elo did, being on a bunch of Michael Jordan posters. So. <laughs> we all got to be there somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, fellas, let's close this out for the night. Hey, uh, John, you got any final thoughts or nuggets you want to drop on the Eat Nation? Man, absolutely love this. This was a blast. Appreciate you guys letting me have uh, just some time to talk on here. And if anything, just stay tuned, man. We got a lot of stuff coming out, a lot of Dynasty articles. So uh, for all formats, too, what we're trying to do is kind of broaden our approach to not just be redraft and to put some dynasty stuff out there for everybody else as well. So stay tuned. Yeah. No. Hey, where can everyone find you, John? Uh, Twitter is the best way. Uh, J L underscore Chapman. That's J L underscore C H A P M A N. Uh, that's by far the best way. Just hit me up on Twitter. It's always open and yeah, lots of draft content and videos. So, yeah. Uh, what about you, Steven? Yeah. On top of what John just said, I mean, we have, we have a ton of content coming for you. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm writing my own dynasty articles as well. You know, we'll, we'll be on here every week talking about some of that stuff. You know, you can find me on Twitter as well at spec 21. That's S S P A C two one, you know, you, and you'll find our whole team, uh, constantly, you know, liking and, and retweeting everything that we put out. Uh, you know, if, make sure you follow, uh, ESF on, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram, you know, we're, we're putting out. Uh, different content on all platforms and you know we want to direct you guys back to uh, the new website that that's in process that should be coming out soon so make sure you keep your eye out for that and and, you know again we're we're all working really hard uh, to bring you guys the only content you need for 2018 heck yeah all right nation we're gonna close this out and you can always find me at austin 37 so on behalf of myself John and Steven, I y'all have a good evening and be easy. It's a fantasy, it's all the fantasy football action that you